Hey everyone, I am Priya Suchdeva and you are listening to Trending Diary, the podcast. Your journey to connect with ideas, stories, experiences and people starts now. Today, I am joined with multicultural women, talented designer, social entrepreneur and a passionate advocate for diversity and inclusion in the creative industry, Bajas Chohan. The lady has been brought up in Tooting, South London with Pakistani and Rajasthani heritage. Also, Bajas pursued her lifelong passion for art and fashion. The lady was fortunate enough to be chosen to work with Vivian Westford and gain valuable experiences which took her to French Quarter House in Monte Carlo. In 2011, the boss lady has decided to set her own fashion label, which shows the fusion of British and Asian values with heritage and style. With a vision in mind to set a luxurious fashion for modern profession women, today Parjus run a successful fashion label and also create customized clothes. Though Parjus has been recognized with several rewards and even got featured in documentaries like Belgium TV, BBC Radio, BBC World News and much more. Even in 2018, the lady has launched her own social enterprise. It is a program to empower marginalized communities around the world. Thank you, Barges. Thank you for accepting the invitation and coming on the show. Hi, so Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm so excited I am. It's wonderful. Thank you. I'm I'm really glad that you accepted the invitation. It's so so humble of you. Oh, that's okay. Um the more the merrier to be honest. I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? When you come to a place in your life, you just want to give back and you want to empower a new generation of leaders. So, you know, for me this is like my duty. I need to do it. Yes, thank you. Uh, Bajaj, just talking about your journey so far, we are quite hearing more of your success and the heights that you have achieved, and that's commendable. But I'm also curious to know about the faults that you have overcome, the attitude you keep on that time, and also the courage, grit, or any essential factor that helped you to overcome all the faults. I really would like you to be vulnerable about everything. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I, have you got the whole day? <laughs> to be honest, it's like, you know, it looks beautiful, um, you know, at the surface, everything. Like, you know, I look very successful and the way I present myself. But that journey, um, it's been incredibly hard. It hasn't been an easy road. Um, coming from a conservative Asian family where it's kind of drummed into you at a young age that, oh, you have to become a doctor or you have to become a professional and um academically i was pretty good so it's like i was going to go into med- medical school but i decided um to kind of go into design and fashion which was quite a shock for the family especially my dad who had very high expectations of me um because at that point in time when i started out fashion was not really seen as kind of a high caliber kind of well respected um career to have especially for a woman they just thought it's too glamorous you you're going to be kind of networking with people who are not really aligned with our kind of lifestyle so there was a lot of reservations from the family but i just felt that I need to do something different and I love science um don't get me wrong and I 
I loved doing it um, up until A-levels, but I wanted something where I could really be creative. And it wasn't just the fashion. It was more about the entrepreneur side. I've seen a lot of inspirational role models in my life um, over time and whilst I was growing up. So I thought that, you know, I want to do that. I want to travel. I want to close down deals. I want to be in board meetings. All that thing really kind of fascinated me. But when I started the journey, I didn't realize there's going to be so many obstacles. It wasn't just family. I mean, family, eventually, they were very supportive. And I'm really lucky to have a wonderful family. And my husband is just a really a, gate, a great chilling guy. But I think the, the society and um, wearing a hijab was, was seen as an obstacle from, from a different perspective, not from my side. Because I just felt my hijab is invisible because the minute I talk, then, you know, barges takes over. But I mean, just if I wanted to give you an example, I went to a PR firm and, and the first thing he said that, oh, you want to become a fashion designer, but you wear a hijab. And I said, yes, but, you know, Muslim women who wear hijab, they do love fashion and they do, they do love clothes. And what makes me what makes you think that I can't be a designer just because I wear a hijab? So, mm-hmm. you know, he was really honest and frank. And he was saying, look, Vargis, um, the fashion industry um, is full of kind of white middle class people. And, you know, where are you going to fit in? And how are you going to, um, you know, get yourself out there? But I just, I just said to him, before we say anything further, why don't you look at my work? And then you can you can judge. So he looked at my work and he was really impressed. And he said, wow, that's really interesting. And I like your ideas and your colors. Um, but he wasn't really convinced in terms of me being successful. But that, that was just a little setback. But wherever I went, there were a lot of problems. And um, I think people just perceive you and they like judging you. They just feel that, you know, a fashion designer should look like a designer. But when we look at men, um, the most talented designers just wear a black, white T-shirt and jeans. I mean, you know, they're not judged um, uh, because, you know, that, that's their creativity. They're judged based on their creativity. But when it's women designers, especially come f- coming from an Asian background, it's like you have to all of a sudden look like a stylist and you have to look like a designer. But for me, comfort is everything. So for me, jeans and a top is okay to go to the work in the studio wearing that. So I think it's women have to make more of an effort. And especially for Muslim women, I started going into fashion because I felt there was a gap missing in the market for modest fashion, but more on the high end side because, um, you know, high street fashion, I I just felt that there's no longevity in it. And I wanted something that I can really be creative and I don't have to kind of have these limitations or, you know, these constraints in terms of, you know, how much it's going to cost. So. That's just one aspect, but there, there are other things. Like you know, when, when you go, you realize that, oh my God, I'm competing with myself because a lot of the ma- modest fashion designers don't come from a creative background. They're just entrepreneurs. So I ended up competing with the mainstream designers. And you know my competitors are still the mainstream designers because I feel there is this whole notion that anyone can become a designer. Um, anyone can, you know, when, when you want to study medicine, you have to go to medical school and you have to go for five, six years and you have to study it. And it's the same thing with design. You have to go to, um, 
you get fashion school, you have to learn the technical aspect, pattern cutting, and you have to know, understand the customer. You have to work in a shop to understand what the customer wants. You have to work with other designers to understand how they work and how you can better yourself as a designer. So what do you think is to, to, to be uh, into the fashion business without being a designer? Because I personally know in India, I have seen some entrepreneurs who is leading fashion industry who are doing good in fashion industry, but they uh, generally don't belong to fashion designing education. So, so is it really important to be a fashion designer to become a fashion entrepreneur? I personally think yes, because after a while, everything looks the same. So you, you've got a lot of followers in the market and a lot of designers are followers. When we look at the Indian and uh, South Asian or Pakistani market, the designers and their creativity all looks the same after a while. And I think there is not that individuality. Um, um, I feel that if you really want to push the boundaries, you have to know the craft. You have to know the technical side. You have to know how a female body or a male body works. Um, and to churn out new ideas all the time is kind. You have to really kind of delve into your soul. So I'm sure there are some naturally gifted designers. I'm not saying that. But I think if you really want to start and be the best in something, first you have to train yourself to be the best in that. So that if anyone questions any aspect of design or creativity, you will have an answer for it. Yes, definitely. I think this thing, uh, training yourself with every aspect, especially with the creativity, one uh, applies to different uh, parts of industry, of any business, I guess. Very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to your brand, uh, you promote a lot of sustainability. Also, it's a concept I am a big fan of. So I really want you to share some insights on sustainable fashion. And why do you think it's really important for the new world? And how your brand surrounds this concept, the sustainable thing? Okay, when I started out, to, to be honest, I didn't have a clue. I, I used to just kind of design and create and I didn't even used to think about it. But um, as I evolved as a designer, I just felt that, A, look at the carbon footprint. If I'm, if I'm going to be manufacturing in the Far East, then my products are going to be produced there. I don't have any control over the supply chain. I don't know who's produced my work. And I don't even know if a child is involved in actually producing or creating the, the embroidery that I have um, in my clothes or, you know, in my rugs or my crafts. And then I just thought that I've got three daughters and I want to sleep well at night. So I started um, doing unexpected visits to the factories, to the warehouses. And I was kind of surprised at um, the, their standards and I wasn't really happy. So... I've kind of shifted all my manufacturing in terms of the clothing to the UK so that I can reduce the carbon footprint. I, I think we need to understand there is a lot of misconception between the, the definition of sustainability because I think sustainability is not just like you could just label it, oh, I'm a sustainable brand because there's no such thing as a 100% sustainable product. I think it's work in progress. What we have to do is strive to to lower the carbon footprint, to, to strive towards having a better um, productivity and supply chain. So wh whether it's the cultural agenda, whether it's the economical agenda, whether it's the ethical side, I think it's better to just focus on something that you could really make a difference. And it could be 
tiny, it could be small. For example, um, I'm doing leather belts, but I'm also doing vegan leather belts, which I'm going to be launching this week. So for me, it's giving um, customers an opportunity. I'm, I cannot remove the, the leather belts at the moment because it is my income, but eventually I would like to just move to the other side. But it's not easy for designers just to switch on and off. Um, you know, there, there are cash flows. There, there are a lot of things that you have to take into consideration. And, you know, things like simple things like buying less and not buying in bulk. Most of my work is made mm -hmm. to order. So it's like I don't have a lot of stock um, in my studio. Vetting your suppliers to ensure that, you know, they're following the guidelines. I mean, let me just give you an example. It takes 1,800 gallons of water just to produce the cotton for one pair of jeans. I mean, that is oh. a lot of water. And, you know, for us, it's like we just wear our jeans not even thinking about it. But if you just put that in figures, that, that's quite scary, the amount of water we're using and consuming just for one pair of jeans. And send buying quality, because I feel if you buy quality or something premium, then it's going to have sentimental value. And you won't really dispose it or throw it in the land landfills. You would actually pass it on to maybe your friends or family or to your children because it has that sentimental value. So all about circular economy and trying to make sure that we just don't throw it and it ends up in the ocean. So these little things really, really count. Also, also there's the one thing, uh, like talking about the sustainable brands or sustainable clothes. What I felt if I go to a simple sustainable website and a normal website where I don't get uh, sustainable clothes, so there's a very large price difference. Yeah. What I felt. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, if we talk about the general audience, if we talk about the middle class people, if it comes to India or any other country where many people are not able to afford it because of whatever the economic background or what. But still, uh, you as a brand or we as people, it's our responsibility to uh, produce more awareness about the sustainability. Yeah. But yes, this price factor, I guess, somewhere lack and also demotivate people to buy, even if they want to. Yeah. So what, what's your thoughts on that? I think um, in the future, it's going to be the audience, the consumer who has the power. So I think it needs to come from you guys. You need to demand it so that we could produce more and then we can reduce the price. Because at the moment, the demand, there might be a lot of talking within the millennials, but when it comes to purchasing, they're not really buying. So I think this is exactly, yeah, this is the big, big issue is that they're not buying A, because yes, it's expensive, but B, there's a lot of rhetoric. There's a lot of talk, but actually no action. So I think if we, if the, if the consumers put the pressure on the brands and on the designers, then they have no choice but to switch and to change. And then that will obviously lower the prices. Definitely, yeah. Definitely, this is a good insight. And okay, one thing, one thing I have observed from your profile. Okay, I was talking to you from a bit. <laughs> That, that you read a lot. Yes. I mean a lot, which means you learn a lot. So because I share a, a little similar love for books, so what's the one book or even one lesson that stuck with you or that affect you in your formative years or the journey of your life? Means what's that specific one book or I should say one chord or anything from one book that you said, 
this has literally changed my life or impacted my life and it literally like it's my mantra so what's that thing oh that that's a really difficult one because i feel that it's not one particular book that's kind of changed my life or my mindset i think it's a it's mm-hmm. a number of books and i think more than books it's like people and people i've learned more through um people making mistakes whether it's friends family or peers and and i'm a very observant person so if you haven't met me but you know when i meet you i it's like i really want to understand you and i want to understand every aspect of your life and i learn through people and my life experiences and through my travel but if there's anything that i'm really conscious of is that i wasn't really born rich i mean we we come from a comfortable but not really affluent family but i remember when i was younger um i think i must be around 14 15 and we were at the bus stop and my dad had a car but it had broken down so we went somewhere to a concert with family friends and we went on the bus and there was this family um after the the concert who said in in urdu or hindi oh bicharo ke paas gaadi nahi hai and even though my dad had a car but the family friend didn't that kind of stood with me and i felt that if i'm ever rich i don't want to be like them because they are showing their superiority through um you know their things what they have and they're making people feel small and insignificant so if there's any one particular book that i really kind of keep with me it's called ego is the enemy by ryan holiday because i feel people who have new money and that could be me um it's very easy to kind of lose the plot and go into that kind of um you know um sky guy is the limit or oh, i am superior or oh, i am special i've got all these things and we start consuming more because we didn't have a lot so it's like i'm very conscious of that but that little experience uh has taught me that i never want to be like that so um for me if there's any book it's it's like ego you really have to manage your ego because it's so easy to start becoming somebody or try through your things and through whatever you have to make other people feel inferior so um i think that's something it's 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 work in progress especially with people with new money it's so easy to fall into that trap and we're seeing that unfortunately there are a lot of people with new money and we're seeing that on youtube on on instagram where they're showing off their handbags their lifestyle they're doing house tours they're doing they're showing off their cars and you know all this reality tv it's all about people who who have acquired new money and they've lost the plot <laughs> <laughs> but but i don't know i have never met you but personally whenever we had a little conversation believe me i had a sense of leadership from you i had a sense of humbleness from you i don't know it's a vibe that you radiate or what oh. but it's in you it is is in you oh thank you so much but I, as i said it's like i'm so glad that my parents took me to pakistan every summer holiday and i i had the opportunity to really meet real people um who had rags to riches stories and they really inspired me so i'm very conscious i don't really like hanging around with very well off people because i feel that human beings were very weak and we if we really want to show gratitude then hang around with people who are less privileged than ourselves because that will really keep us grounded um so 
I'm very conscious that we can change and we humans can change. And it's really important to treat people with respect, irrespective of whether they have money or they don't have money. So, um, yeah, and that's why I'm trying to instill in my children. But it's really difficult when you're kind of bombarded with Instagram and social media where it's all about show, where it's all about reality TV and, and you know, trying to say to them that this is not real. You don't really know who they are or what their lifestyle is. But young people, they really get seduced by all that. Exactly. So there we have to work on. I mean, some people have to be very vulnerable about it. Yeah, very true. Definitely. So recently, Bajis, you have also been invited to Big Brother and come on your first time. And you declined it for whatever reasons. And I personally respect the boundaries that you have set for the personal and professional life. And also it shows whatever you do, it's beyond money. It's more of your value system. So I'm curious to know or your thoughts on saying like how other people should realize like being publicly friendly or being publicly visible at the same maintaining the privacy. I, I, I really feel that you need to know, you need to set these boundaries of what is private and what is professional. So I feel that my work, my creativity should speak for itself. And if it's not, then I need to really work on that. Um, now what it is, is that people have started taking shortcuts. They feel that they need to become famous first before they can, um, you know, um, start a brand or a business or sell something they feel that they have to be famous and have lots and lots of followers but I think that's a trap because then you become a slave to your audience and then it's all about content and about algorithms and about numbers and it's so easy to succumb to that and I really feel that then it takes over because if your sole income is through subscriptions on YouTube then you will start cutting corners and you will start compromising in your values um, so I'm not saying that don't put yourself out there but I think there needs to be a balance um, there's no need to flaunt your children or you know use them or or talk about your vulnerability and talk about all all unless it's like is adding value to someone's life for example I'll give you a simple example um you know wearing a headscarf that's my personal choice between me and God I don't really have to create a video to tell people why I'm wearing the headscarf and the same thing if I remove it I don't have to create a video to tell people why I've chosen to take the headscarf off it's none of it's not their business it's my business it's between me and my family and it's my personal choices but I think there's a lot of sensationalism a lot of drama um, in the market about you know how do I how do we grab people's attention how do we get more subscriptions and that's when we start really going downhill because we have become a slave um, and I'm very conscious of that and um, I just feel that we need to stop this kind of reality tv and start owning our lives instead of seeking validation from strangers yeah got you yeah you right uh, you said it very right in this that uh, till the time we are adding value to people's lives we are doing it for the good influence we really don't have to worry about it Means there's something okay. There are many YouTubers, there are many other digital creators whose life depends, whose like livelihood depends on digital subscription. That's fine. They have to like get out there. But yes, uh, till the time the value is there, I don't think you have to worry about anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you should compromise in your values and beliefs for money. 
because money comes and yeah. goes. And I think that's something that we really, really need to drum into the younger generation. It's like, you know, money will come, it fluctuates in life. So, you know, that should not be, it's, it should be all about purpose and really, are you inspiring? Are you, are you empowering people by what you're saying? And there's a platform and there's a way of doing it. For example, I do it through public speaking. So I have an opportunity to travel around the world, world and people, you know, come, um, they even pay to, to hear my speech, which is fine. Or if I'm being interviewed, like, for example, today. But, I, but I, I don't like the idea of actually just kind of being obsessed about sharing every nitty gritty detail about your personal life to complete strangers. Yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, in a way, then it kind of messes up your head a little bit. You really can't tell the difference between reality and what's virtual. Exactly. So, Bajus coming, wrapping it up. Uh, this one thing I really uh, ask to every guest who come on the show. So, it's like a hookup question. So, what is the one trend that you want to see evolving in the new world, especially after the post-COVID? I, I think what it is is that you need to be authentic. There's only one person. There's only one Priya. There's only one Vajis in this world. And it's okay to be totally yourself. I don't think you have to change or you, 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 you have to be somebody else to be successful in life. There is this whole notion, especially within, um, I would say, um, South Asian communities or maybe... Um, developing worlds where they feel that the benchmark to a progressive society is following the Western ideology. That is the benchmark, you know, to be progressive, to be successful, you need to have a British accent, American accent, or you need to dress a certain way, or you need to speak a certain way, um, you know, your lifestyle choices. But I feel that if you really want to be authentic, you need to embrace and accept the way you are and let the world accept you for who you are and not change for it. And I think that's really, really important. That, that, that's going to be really stuck with me that it's really important to embrace the person you are yeah. because everyone has a unique thing in that. Totally. Yeah. So true, so true. Thank you, Bajus. Thank you so much for your precious time and sharing knowledge and wonderful insights with the listeners. And thank you, you beautiful people, for listening. If you have any questions, ideas, or stories to discuss, you can DM us at Instagram page of Training Diary. I hope you get some value today. We'll see you soon in the next episode. Till then, stay tuned and God bless us all.